Hey, it's Zachy. And Eden. If you made it this far, congratulations. You are listening to the Season 1 Summary of Israel Underground. You're listening to... Israel Underground. Hello, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a, uh, a different um, kind of episode than you are used to. Um, notably, most notably, I am joined today by my wife and the producer of the show, uh, Eden Farber-Hennessy. Hi. So, uh, yeah, how's it going? Hi. <laughs> welcome. Welcome behind the, behind the scenes. We're, we're, we're going to do a little bit of a recap of the first season as we are drawing to a close um, and we are super excited to, to kind of go back over and highlight some of the ideas, some of the um, kind of the themes that were highlighted throughout the, the, the season and things that really stood out to us um, that we'd like to go back over and, and maybe discuss a little bit. So Eden, this is it's it's a unique episode because we have you here, um, and usually you are kind of the the mastermind of the show, making everything happen. You know, booking uh, people, finding the right stories, um, but you know you're you're doing it kind of silently, uh, and I'm really not excited silently. not silently, <laughs> but in terms of uh, for the listener, uh, more sure. silent than not. So I'm really excited to have you on it and kind of. Um, have you explain or express kind of what your uh, overall take from this season is? Uh, thanks. Um, as really just kind of bouncing ideas off the wall of wouldn't it be great if uh, in our apartment we were making vegan pizzas and it just kind of came about. Um, and I'm really impressed that we got 10 episodes out. We got to tell 10 really um, amazing stories that were really interesting and inspiring and I think, you know, we decided to cl- call this a season and uh, give ourselves a little break well, to start to on, the, on the next one because we just have so many ideas. And, you know, it, for any, any of, if any of you noticed that um, this season had a lot of people from Barilan University, we right. kind of... Um... Bonus points to anyone who drew that connection. <laughs> if there's one listener who has all of the... the posters or the pictures on the wall with the red yarn right. around them good connecting everybody back right. to Barilan. because you know thankfully having having been in israel for quite a few years now not quite a few but a few um we got to meet so many interesting people but hopefully as this project kind of takes off we'll get to expand our uh, interviewees and do even more interesting episode i mean not more interesting but uh more diverse even episodes. More, even more interesting stories. <laughs> it's all exactly. about the emphasis. Exactly. Um, so what we're going to do for this episode is uh, take a look back. We have some clips that we have taken from each episode. And uh, like I said, we just want to you know look over some of the, the themes and ideas uh, that we thought were uh, kind of... Um, woven throughout the series um so let's uh let's let's kick it off so the first theme that we thought of was really the driving idea of why we started this podcast was that you know there's communities and demographics in israel that you really don't know anything about unless you're in them and or unless you ask right or unless you ask so we asked and (laughs) the the first person we asked was renat Tsukbazak. And uh, here's what she had to say, part of it. So there is in Kikara Bima in Tel Aviv, there is like a 
crowd clinic, which is like the whole stuff there and the whole thing they do is like about LGBTQ medicine. Um, so like if you live in the center of Israel, so like you have this access to like a clinic where all you know for sure that they'll give you like the right and appropriate stuff that you need. Um, but that's like a really specific place. And like hopefully in one of the days there like there'll be a lot of like clinics like that all over the country. Okay. So what are we what are we talking about here? What are we looking at? So in our first episode, Renat was telling us about medical discrimination in the LGBTQ community in Israel. Um, a kind of maybe not unique, but uh, an important problem that a big issue. Yeah, that they're facing of not just issues that are you know medically relevant only to LGBTQ people, but the fact that there's discrimination even when you show up to the hospital with your uh, same-sex partner. And here she was talking about something that I you know I really didn't know exist because why should I? Uh, which is a clinic that's for the LGBTQ community. And, you know, I thought it was really cool and good to know how yeah. um, how the community is developing. The, the cool thing about uh, this clinic, uh, from what I understand, is that it's not focusing on one specific issue or ailment, like you said. Um, it, it really focuses on embracing a an entire community and making sure that they feel like they have a place uh, to go to 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 get their healing done, uh, as it were. So I think that that's uh, really cool and, and and really valuable. Right, and I hope that they're just they come to be more and more of these clinics all over the country. Yeah. Uh, okay. What do we have next? Uh, next, we have Mordechai Newmark, who is talking about a um, topical issue of uh, the coronavirus and the Haredi community. So when it hit, really, the Haredi understood what happened, I think, last, only because most of them don't get their news from the regular news sources, from, like social media or secular papers or, or, uh, or TV. So they get it. Their information comes from different sources. They have their own, their own newspapers. They have, let's say, they get news from, uh, like word mouth, word to mouth, and uh, and it doesn't come through the regular ways. So I think they received the uh, the message kind of much later than everybody else. So I thought that this was really cool. First of all, he just, I mean, from from the outside looking in, you don't um, think about the degree to how, you don't think about the degree of difference between, you know, maybe a non-Haredi lifestyle and a Haredi lifestyle. There are so many granular differences. And a key one being, you know, we don't get our news from the same sources. And that's, it just kind of blows my mind in terms of like, wow, like that's, that's something that I never would have even thought, but it makes so much sense. Right. Um, and I thought that, you know, him expressing that and explaining kind of um, how that idea led to the slower adoption of um, coronavirus procedure 
Uh, and I, I'd like to point out that this interview was at the beginning of the second lockdown in Israel. Uh, as we're recording this, we are in the midst of the third one. Yes, and, this is uh, unfortunately our most topical, like our, our, <laughs> our least evergreen episode. But as it turns out, it may be evergreen forever. <laughs> uh, no, but um, in this third lockdown, we've had a lot of um, incidents of rioting um, in the Haredi communities. So yeah. this, obviously, it doesn't touch upon that or explain it because it precedes them. Um, but I do think that it gives an interesting perspective that we kind of miss. And, you know, we don't know what's going on there. But from the very beginning, um, it's it's different. It's just not the same um global pandemic in the same way it's just being presented and um, run completely differently all right next up we have a clip from Yehuda Miklaf who shared a I think a riveting story about um, the Freemason community in in the world but also more specifically in Jerusalem uh, and he he, he kind of uh, he explained to us about how you know when you think about the Freemasons you think about you know the idea of a bunch of um, I guess middle-aged men in hoods but it, it it turns out that there's quite quite a bit more diversity in that community than specifically gender diversity. Sp- specifically gender diversity. I mean, he he talks about religious diversity as well. But uh, he he went on to express that there was a a, a pretty co- cool event that occurred in the in the Freemason uh, history. So let's take a listen. Uh, a few years ago, we had a what was called the Great Debate here. A woman Freemason from England came, and we had a very big crowd. And uh, there was a debate between her and the former Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of Israel. And she got up and gave her talk. And then the, the former Grand Master got up and basically agreed with everything she said, which was kind of a shock to all of us because, um, you know, there was no, no debate. It was yes and yes. So they, um, they took a vote. Uh, should women be allowed in Freemasonry? And it was a uh, hundred to one. The the great debate. I think when we finished that interview, that's what that's what Zachy said. The great debate. Wow. It really seemed like you know she went on to explain why they they need to have uh, female Freemasons, and nobody disagreed. <laughs> <laughs> Quite the debate. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just just really cool insight, and these are the kinds of things that you don't hear unless you ask. So um, you know, really good really... on you for asking. Yeah, good job, me. <laughs> We want to round out this segment, um, I guess you could call it, and throw it to a clip from Heba Jirias, who we uh, interviewed about um, what it's like to be a, a Christian in Israel, what it's like to be a Christian Arab in and, Israel. And here we just wanted to highlight her story about the kind of inner inner religious... Uh... About the religious segmentation, but also the coexistence um, within the Arab community. Christians mostly are very mixed in the Arab society, and uh, they try to maintain their beliefs, their holidays. Like when, when Christmas comes, uh, we decorate the whole village, and we put a very large and huge uh, Christmas tree in the town. And we like to share our holidays with everyone. And let me tell you something funny. I have a Muslim's friends who call me like when it, when it's Christmas time before the Corona uh, pandemic and thing, when we used to have a Christmas market and stuff, they used to call me, Yalla Hiba, come. 
we need to go to the market like muslims friends like before before even like christians celebrate their christmas i have to say that whenever these things happen you you feel that uh, the non-christian people understand the notion understand the religion understand how we celebrate and respect it and embrace it and it's beautiful it's just really cool to hear about i guess the 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 love that that you hear about between all of these members of you know theoretically different communities but that all belong to um, one more universal community and i and i think that that's really cool it's something that that we touch on in a few of the the interviews that we did um but uh but I yeah think, i really enjoyed hearing Heba speak about that yeah i think it's also particularly interesting because you'll have a lot of cities and villages in israel that have kind of different communities uh different religious areas and they're often they often feel really segmented but what she's describing is these you know arab villages that really kind of come together despite practicing different religions which i thought was beautiful yeah let's move forward uh from here and we will discuss our second uh theme that we wanted to touch on which is um so the second theme that we thought of when we were looking over the last 10 episodes was that there's there's really a range of resolution and closure um, among the people in Israel when it comes to the infamous Israeli-Arab conflict. Um, it seems from our different interviews that you've got people who are really living the conflict day to day and people to whom it's their history. Um, and I think that and, that's and something that they use to, to kind of build on and, and construct. A... Right. It's it's not behind anyone. It's just um, there's a very different uh, tone and, and place because it to this day, it affects people in really different ways, depending on where you live. Right. Um, so the first up that we wanted to uh, to throw to is is from our interview, I think, episode two, yeah. uh, our interview with uh, Fatima Amer who um, very eloquently spoke about, you know, her, uh, her town's history um, in relation to that, to that conflict and how she, uh, you know, is using that kind of as a platform for, for positive uh, things. To me, even though like, even though like, um, you know, I was raised and born under the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, I was um, all these, you know, the harsh reality that, you know, that I was exposed to in terms of, you know, the massacre that happened in my town or in, the, like I said, the, the, the conflict. But I'm not going to let that, you know, stop, stop on my way. Um, I have I have like certain rules and principles that, I'm, that I follow in. in the, um, and I believe that. I, that I can make a change, that I can start a change for a better future for myself and for the, you know, for the better, for the next generation, for the youth. What I want, like my, I feel like my purpose in life is helping others and, you know, giving back to the community as, as yes, everything that happened here, you know, the conflict from the conflict to the massacre to everything. Yes, all these negative, th negative things happened, but I'm not going to let that stop me or like um, influence me, like badly influence me. But I'm going to take that and, and I'm going to turn it into something, you know, better as in uh, for the community. And again, you know, she she touches on that that community vibe um, that we were discussing in the last uh, bit with uh, with Iba. But I I really think that that's um, 
it's powerful you know it's it's cool to hear it's kind of like um almost like a storybook kind of uh energy coming off of this right where it's like oh yeah i have this you know it's really a tragic um thing that happened uh, in our mutual um shared history right when um, she was discussing the massacre in akfakasam uh, that's right um and you know it's something that on both sides is kind of a a a bad mark um, on on history, um, and and the way that she uh, takes that and uses it for for good and to kind of turn it around, I think that's really really cool and really powerful. Definitely. Um, who do we have next? Um, next, we have a clip from Auda Hathaline, a um, Palestinian Bedouin who shared what life is like in his village. So we all the time, you know, like facing like. In the summer, we are facing a problem for the water because it's hot. Everything needs water more. And in the winter, it's the electricity problem. It's the electricity problem in addition to the water problem. All the time, all the time, you know, it's like two problems. No electricity in the winter, no water in the summer. And I'm, I'm talking with you now. I'm talking with you now. I'm from Omar and I'm in Omar I'm just looking to the settlement. I'm just looking now to the settlement. The settlement, there is many lights. There is many big lights. Even like for the street, every five meters there is a light. But here in Umakher, one, two, three. So this was definitely a very impactful interview. Yeah. It's something that's so hard to imagine. Right. Uh, and, that and, living situation. Yeah, and I think that part of you know the goal here of highlighting stories that you don't hear is unfortunately also highlighting some of the harder ones some of the people who aren't you know thriving in this beautiful country but really struggling in it and And it's important to say that you know obviously we come from a a position of you know relative uh privilege obviously that that you know we have water and electricity and don't even think about it um and i think this interview was a really great opportunity to think about it and to think about, you know, and to hear from a man who really is uh, not given that privilege. And uh, it's really grounding and, and humbling. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it gives uh, good insight and, and a North Star, I guess, to towards like, you know, what this show is for. Yeah, I think that a foundation of dialogue is hearing from all sides. And this was definitely a side that deserves to be heard. And I think just to tie into the the next segment, you know, as Zaki mentioned, a kind of privilege, we hear a really interesting story from our friend Bensie Sanders, who kind of came to Israel not thinking about the conflict and, and issues and kind of just in the headspace of most you no know, American Jewish gap year students and uh, was really struck by a lot of the things that he saw and experienced serving in the IDF. Culminating in this clip. Uh, very early on in my deployment in the West Bank in uh, the settlement called Shaveh Shomron, I remember it was one, it was, it was early, early morning, like dawn, um, and the sun was just coming up and it was still a little bit dark, uh, but you could see these kind of like uh, very fine mist kind of uh, in between the hilltops. Uh, and um, I remember looking out and seeing uh, on the barbed wire around the, around the settlement, there was an Israeli flag, which was caught in the, in the barbs 
um, and it was tattered and it was kind of blowing in the wind. I took a picture of it. And I remember thinking uh, at the time that like, I felt like that, that image really kind of embodied the way I felt about what I was being asked to do. Like this symbol of, of Zionism was being tattered um, in, in the reality of, of the occupied territories. I really like the imagery that he pulls in um and and the idea you know that's such a uh, ironically not ironically but uh aptly a a picturesque Mm -hmm. moment um yeah i think that's that's really cool and really valuable so thanks to thanks to bensi for for that one (laughs) so that wraps up uh that segment and we're going to move on to the next and and final um segment which is the the theme or the idea that um you know, for all the stories that we've heard and for all the people that we've spoken to, um, we we heard a lot of um, ways that people work their way around um, problems that their demographics face, that their communities face. Um, but there are still, you know, quite a few things out there that, you know, have yet to be resolved. Right. Issues that are absolutely prevalent in day-to-day Israeli life, but maybe not as much part of the of the dialogue right and so it was cool to i guess speak to um everybody you know if you listen to any episode of the show you'll hear things that are like oh wow that's a a big problem that i hadn't thought about and you know they're not presenting an answer for it like that's still something that's that's around um but specifically we've we've chosen a, a couple here that we think are um, kind of cool, kind of, I mean, not cool, they're problems, but they're, you know, a little bit of a head scratcher, a little bit of a, you know, makes you think um, kind of moment, starting with Noi Kunda, who we interviewed about um, being a Russian-Israeli um, coming from that heritage. Her parents, I believe, are first-generation immigrants. Yeah. Um, and she delivered kind of a really, I mean, kind of a sad um, reality. Uh, let's listen to the clip. Sometimes you have to pass things in order to be part of. Like uh, when my um, my cousins came here when they were four and five, and uh, when my grandpa called them to go home in Russian, uh, kids used to make fun of the, her voice. Until now, my grandma tries not to talk to them in Russian when they're around people. So um, it's like things that are uh, in you. And as we speak, my mom uh, brought me a a note. She wanted me to say that um, she didn't expect Israelis um, to love her, but she didn't expect them to hate her. And sometimes uh, it feels like Israelis hate us. Yeah, that was definitely a hard thing to hear. Um, I think it is important to note that if you listen to the episode... She really does um, express that she doesn't feel like the story of Russian immigrants in Israel is a is a sad one. She says it's a success and something beautiful, and she's proud of her heritage. And um, yeah, I think that just recognizing that the challenges that this community faces, that there is um, uh, like you can, it might be downplaying it, but it's just such a yucky feeling that like you know you can be such a such a core member of of a society and of a of a population of of a, of a nation and and still be looked at so grossly um 
so I thought that that was that was really powerful, and I wish Noise Mom the best of the best of luck and and a happy happy life. Um, we will move forward to our latest interview, which was with Dr. David Leitner, um, friend of the show, I'll call him, because why not? Um, <laughs> who told us a you know a really um, intriguing and really detailed uh, story of his experience in moving to Israel, making Aliyah, joining the army and sustaining an injury that left him uh, living his day-to-day life in a, in a wheelchair. And in a follow-up mini episode, episode 10.5, as we call it, um, he, he kind of went on to explain his take on accessibility in the country. And he says that, you know, from a public perspective, yeah, there's still work to do, but there's even more to say about the private sector. And while I have seen a huge improvement, there is, of course, a significant way to go um, to making the public sphere accessible. And I think also the private sphere. Um, In reality, for me, the place that it, it hurts the most isn't when I go out to a supermarket that I can't use the bathroom or or when I'm out and about and something makes it difficult for me to to access what I need to access. It's actually more the personal interactions where people are having a get-together in their house and there are steps up into the house and no way for me to get in. I thought that was a really good point. Um, definitely something that I... Yeah, you hadn't... can't... We live on a. He on cannot come floor. visit us, and you know, I'm very unfortunately, problematic. We're gonna think about that in the future. Um, I think that it's also always really easy to to generalize things and say, you know, well, the government needs to, and you know, every government needs to do a lot of things. But it's also really interesting to be reminded that there's a lot of things that we can do quite literally in our own backyards. We just want to wrap up this bit with uh, our final clip, which comes from the interview we did with Josh Cooper, um, where he pretty eloquently summed up um, kind of the whole struggle of being in a country that has um, kind of some glaring issues uh, and the way that you can kind of, you know, make make peace with that and and keep moving forward. When it comes to Israeli pride, look, I'm a proud Israeli. Israel is my home. Israel is a place that I love. Israel is a place where I've chosen to lay down my roots, and it's where I want to be. And 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 I really feel like this is my home. And when I see problems in my home, I want to fix them. Right? I don't. I think you know, love and pride aren't always don't always go together. And sometimes you can be disappointed in something that you love, and that doesn't make me love Israel any less. It makes me hurt sometimes, and it makes me want to fix it. Sort of that combination of love and disappointment doesn't make me want to leave. It just makes me, it makes me want to push for change. Just wonderful. What a guy. <laughs> really beautifully said. Um, yeah, I think that that's the point, man. Like that's that's the whole thing, right? <laughs> right. As a project aimed at sharing more stories and sharing more perspectives, you know, we're obviously going to come up with people's problems and i think that the the idea that josh presented of being here being dedicated to life here 
um, despite despite different challenges and and being dedicated even to as working a re- on result them. of those issues, like yeah. yeah, let's stick around and fix it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that's really inspiring. And that wraps up the recap. Just a little bit of housekeeping. We are taking a brief hiatus while we uh, recharge the batteries and while we uh, lay out the roadmap for season two. We've got a lot of great ideas and we are looking forward to sharing uh, many more stories with you. If you have a story or know someone who has a story that you'd like to tell, we really mean it. Please reach out to us. Um, That's Um, that's what we're here for. What's our, what's our, it's at IL dot underground on Facebook and, uh, anchor slash FM dot <laughs> anchor dot FM slash Israel dash underground. underground. So check us out, send us uh, your story, send us your information. And, uh, lastly, thanks for listening. You yes, know, we really you. appreciate it. It's obviously listeners like you getting in on the ground floor here. Uh, who are who are gonna push this show to uh, to more people and and share these really cool stories with uh, with even more people? So thanks to you and thanks to you, Eden. Um, and thank you too, Zachy. <laughs> golly, what? A... And thank you to our ten beautiful interviewees who shared their amazing stories and lives with us. Yeah. Uh, cool. That does it. See you next season. See you next season. You want to say it at the same time? No. One, two, three. See you next season. <laughs> Israel Underground is written and produced by Eden and Zaki Farber Hennessy. All additional audio is used under Creative Commons. Thanks for listening.